Party time. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. We're in the Mothership Studio 22. You already knew this. The Puppet Master Mark and, of course, Super Chris Cruz and everybody loves Brandon. Let's love Brandon. At the helm driving us into the nether regions of all things insanity. A big show for you. Uh, we're going to start off with my very dear friend and special guest, Sydney Watson. It's Welcome me. to the show. I'm glad you're back. I haven't seen you in... A long time. This is true. I know. I'm glad that you invited me. You Thank and I you passed like ships me. in the night. <sighs> it's because you're a busy man and you're always all over the map. And I'm... I'm all over the map. Hold up in my house being a hermit. You are weirdly introverted. Um, it's true. People never believe this and then I tell them and then they, they always say, how do you do the internet thing? And I think, well, isn't it perfect? I you, never have to talk to anybody. I, you know, I always... You come on here and I, I want to ask you about people that I like. I don't know if you know them or not, like Evelyn mm-hmm. Gratton or whatever you say her last name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you friends with her? Do you know her? I, yes. I watch your content on social media. Do you mean the very attractive Australian? I'm not on about all that. Blonde. The one I talk to every now and then online. <laughs> we message one another. Yes. I mean, it's just little she, innocuous questions like, when are you moving to Texas? I, she, listen, I, she's very beautiful. And I, th- I think that's an objective truth that we can all admit. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. <laughs> yes, she's yeah, she's a friend of mine and she's very wonderful. She is awesome. She's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, anyway, Sydney Watson, I want to get, while I got you here for a minute. So we broke a story uh, several months ago of what what are they calling it? Um, with Maps. <laughs> Yes, right maps child enthusiasts yeah they, fans they, of the playground they they justify being attracted to children mm-hmm. right yeah and there was this professor who was talking about how it's okay mm-hmm. they, he lost his job over this a video that he made we played the video on this show mm-hmm. and uh now they've hired him again uh john hopkins center dedicated to preventing child sexual abuse hired him mm-hmm what's the deal? What's going on with this? You know this story. Yeah, so um, the interview that you're referring to was done with, uh, for people who don't know, just just to fill everybody in, was done with um, an organization called Prostasia, which they say that they're, are we using pedophile? Are we allowed to say this? Yeah, uh, you say pedophile. Okay, cool. Well, Minor attracted persons is what MAPS says, just to be clear. Right, and that's the term that pedophiles use in order to basically justify, I suppose, their attraction. It's more of like a please accept us. It's like a destigmatizing thing as far as they're concerned. So Alan Walker, the person that you're referring to, who's non-binary, just by the way, they're neither gender. This this human being is... (laughs) I, I want to try that for like 24 hours. I would love it. I would love it. Then you can get gender nullification surgery. You can? That's literally a thing where they will remove your entire my, genitals. I don't think my PPO will cover it, but whatever. They will just shorten your urethra. It's fine. Okay. You, can just, uh, you, you just go micro I'll have a womb hole. Exactly. Precisely. Uh, but our, our they them friend uh, basically did an interview with a pro-pedophile organization and then subsequently was fired and now has been hired on by um, a John Johns Hopkins affiliated research center, like you said, that's, that's dedicated to stop child uh, sex sexual abuse mm-hmm. um, and I find it really interesting because um, the person who runs the Moore Center as it's called wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post defending Alan Walker basically saying that the research that Alan had had done effectively because also this person wrote a dissertation basically saying that uh, you know, pedophiles should have access to child pornography because uh, it will stop them from offending. It has a bunch of these ideas out there. And well, I mean, <laughs> pornography always stops rapists from C- Clearly, it raping. does not make people more intense with their attractions. Right. No, it absolutely, it's perfect for people. Didn't you know, Chad? Porn's mm. good for your brain. 
Yeah. It totally I, doesn't not, have I'm, any negative consequences. I'm no psychologist, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a very bizarre situation where, yeah, Johns Hopkins has effectively hired on this person who is advocating in a way for uh, maps or, you know, the, the child enthusiasts yeah. to basically be destigmatized and normalized in a lot of ways. And it's really messed up. John Hopkins University, by the way, came out uh, years ago with a statement saying that gender dysphoria is a mental illness. Yep. And now they're, you know, now what I wish they would do is hire this guy and they just do experiments on his brain, like cut his skull <laughs> off and then just lobotomize him and then just pick apart the parts that, you, you know do, what I'm saying? You do wonder, though, if there's, if there's any brain to cut into. Yeah. That's, I think that's, you know, the position. Are you, are you following this whole thing? I mean, I like... <laughs> This whole grooming thing, mm-hmm. uh, it's happening, right? It's its its really happening. People want to deny it. They say yeah. it's not happening in the schools. It's not happening, you know, in culture in general in America. But it is, I mean, in a massive way. You know, it's like these people, they got tired of hanging out at the Chuck E. Cheese, so they got a degree to teach school, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they're hanging out with fourth graders, and they're going where these are congregated, right? Uh-huh. And it's happening, and we're seeing... You know, we're continually showing these TikToks of these teachers who are doing exactly that, bragging about it. Um, and is this happening like, are they, is it happening in Australia? I mean, I know you hadn't been home in a few years because of the COVID nonsense. Thanks, but like, Biden. You, you have everybody. Like, is that happening culturally worldwide or are we just, is this, is this an American issue? I think a lot of these things are American issues. Um, but I do think that probably the acceptance of pedophilia and the, you know, push to normalize it, I think is a worldwide thing because, I mean, I, I believe that it was a German uh, institute. I can't remember the name of it, so excuse me on this one. But a, a German institute did uh, a study recently or a series of studies into basically like why pedophilia is okay. So this is not, it's not a fringe concept. And that's what's so disconcerting about the whole thing is that it's it's branching uh, out of this like little you know kind of microcosm that it once was into this whole bigger thing where we now have accepted terms like you were talking about maps and things like that Um, there's there's a big push by organizations like Prostasia that I just mentioned and another one called Before You Act Um, and and they're basically advocating for all of these really bizarre things and they're making headway like having you know uh, sex dolls that look like children uh, to stop offending And, and it's all under the guise of stopping offending but I think to myself is that actually really of is, is that actually helpful in any right. capacity? I mean, I understand this like whole let's get people into therapy thing so they you know they can work through whatever it is or I don't know. We should just send I, them to an island. Although you know they tried doing that and then I know that Epstein hung they'd himself. Figure out a way to grow children. <laughs> I, I you know like I, when I look at the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, I know what I want to do. Yes, unless there's a fat chick on the cover. Right, then I'm out. But. <laughs> No, you run ride them into the waves, Chad. <laughs> That's usually the the methodology. I don't know. I, you know, and so like the name of that organization before you act. Yes, that started, right there tells you was started by a child, a, a a convicted child rapist. Wow. Yes. But continue. Sorry, well, I didn't mean to interrupt. Typically, things you. like that saying, "Hey, you know, you don't want to get caught like I did, so let me give you some ways to to get around this thing, mm-hmm. and so you don't even act into it." 
um, you know, I miss the days of Chris Hansen, you know, to catch a predator. And you come in there and just catch him right there in the kitchen as they walk in. But there are so many things that they bury under the rug, news stories like that uh, principal mm -hmm. that traveled and went to try to meet up with this 11-year-old. And they got him on tape mm -hmm. actually filming him. And he's going, well, yeah, I, I did say all these things. I mean, they're saying you were going to cuddle on the couch. You were going to. And he's like. And I'm like, why don't you just shoot that person in the head right there? Yep. Like, done. That's it. I don't have to do a study on it. There's no psychological papers. There's no research. I don't have to, you know, join an organization. I don't, just done. Finished. You, you are no good to society. You, you're a horrible, you, something, something malfunctioned. Mm -hmm. And there. Yeah. It's done. This Let's is, support you. This goes a lot deeper, though, than people realize, because even the last video that I just made, which talked about Alan Walker, who we just referred yeah. to, it looked at Johns Hopkins and Johns Hopkins relationship with people who have historically had very questionable opinions towards children and pedophilia. Um, one of which I highly recommend your audience look into. His, he's a guy named John Money. And the other one is John Money. And the other one is uh, Fred Berlin. Fred um, Berlin. And both of them, I mean, like, Money mentored Berlin at one point, but mm -hmm. the things that John Money did and the things he advocated for are so revolting. And yet he was basically working at and associated with Johns Hopkins up until he died. Fred Berlin, who's still alive, did a talk at a conference for Before You Act, basically saying that we need to abolish the uh, the sex offender registry, that it's unhelpful, that it's not a necessity in society. Uh, he made all of these revolting comments that pushed Johns Hopkins into basically making a statement saying, "Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we uh, we're not we're not super affiliated," even though he continues, I believe, to work. I think as the head of their psychology department or something to that effect. But all these creepy people who say and do creepy things are so associated with these prestigious institutions and you go why is that okay so perfect example you know two years ago when we did our our documentary or whatever you want to call it our in-depth dive on the epstein thing um we talked about how you know epstein he had a whole deal at harvard right ah. i mean they had a whole thing named after him again because you throw enough money at something these institutions which again are academic bubbles with weird ass theories that <laughs> You know, they, they never do anything in the real world except uh -huh. push ideas and especially ideologies, and they're willing to take the money and go. So this is no – there's no – it's not a strange concept to think that these institutions of, of esteemed higher learning are involved in these things, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I've said it for 25 years, almost 30 years. I've said, you know, the NAMBLA, the pederasty, the pedophilia, all the crazy stuff that they can try to normalize and make a, a common part, subvert the dominant paradigm of sexual relationships – you know, the right kind of relationships that are they're going to subvert that consistently. And I yep. said, eventually, it's going to come down to the point where it's going to be pedophilia. Yeah. And we're starting to see it. It's literally becoming mainstream. Well, the fact that we even have a term that we use to refer to pedophiles that makes them feel better because it's destigmatizing is the is this is where it begins. I mean, we're already on the path. And the yeah. fact that you have all of these people who are justifying the behavior of teachers in schools, the ones who say, oh, you know, it's, I'm going to protect this child's anonymity in this, in whatever situation right. it is regarding the gender stuff, which by the way, I mean, just for anybody who wants to know, um, that the whole gender theory was started by John Money, the guy that works for Johns Hopkins, who was, you know, who was fine with pedophilia, who, I can't even get into what he's done. We, we, we need more time. But it's, these things are started by pedophiles 
profiles and then they're promoted and continued on by people who are either too stupid to pay attention to what they're doing and saying or are groomers and pedophiles themselves, which I know is a huge statement to make, but there is so much of this that's underground that no one pays attention to. And a lot of that as well, actually, with these you know high profile figures, you can look into. It's Googleable. It's searchable. The only difference is that no one's calling attention to it and talking about it. So it just yeah. gets swept under the rug. It continues on. And I feel bad. I feel bad for parents because they're having to contend with this day in and day out, particularly in schools. And and again, the fact the fact that no one thinks this is problematic, all this gender theory, Chad, it's it's so revolting. When I brought up the the whole you know gender nullification thing before, how long is it before that's being pushed in schools? We've already got. I know it's, that sounds absurd, but we've already got the whole you know SRS gender reassignment surgery thing being pushed. How long is it before it's like, oh, you don't want to be any gender, just remove your genitals, just remove all of it, just remove and that's all why of they're it. targeting kids under under the age of adolescence and puberty because yes. once you do all of that before once puberty hit it, it you give them puberty blockers mm-hmm. they do it before it, they could do it while it's then it's going to be irreversible they justify i mean there was a ted talk done by again the woman's name escapes me but she was an a child endocrinologist and she said oh it's it's completely fine you know once you give children puberty blockers for a period of time which mind you are untested we have no idea what they do long term yeah. that's not that's not what they're used for the actual drugs themselves um and this endocrinologist is saying oh we'll just remove the testes of a child who's been taking puberty blockers for however many years because their testes don't work anyway it's it's just like having your appendix removed wow <laughs> what the, the difference is your appendix will never matter never do anything but your testicles <laughs> will actually serve a function yes a, a very point, very uh, importante function importante <laughs> it's been a while since i've said that on anyone's show importante <laughs> You need to be following Sydney Watson. Make sure you're following her social media as well as follow her specifically where her programs are offered um, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You've talked about this at various times at length. <laughs> Always good content. And Try of course, best. you can catch her from time to time on Blaze TV, this little network thing we do. But uh, I love you and I appreciate you very much. And uh, we're pre taping this. So whenever you see this, it's probably a week old that we sat down together. So probably it's changed the answer to my question when I say, are you okay? How you doing? Mm-hmm. You good? I am okay. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I am making my way in the world, Chad. Look at you. You're like a, you're like a 80 I sitcom. I washed my hair today, which is an achievement. All right. I got out of bed. I, I was like, I'm not going to be sad. There yeah. you go. I'm better. I'm doing better. Good. All right. Thank you for well, caring. You're my friend and I care very much about you. Uh, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us where it really hurts. It really, really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or eats out. God knows I do. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app in the App Store, Google Play, whichever you use. Use my promo code CHAD. I spell it CHAD. Get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, get paid. Seriously, you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you earn three times more cash back with Upside. You can cash out anytime uh, to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card for Amazon, other brands. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every single week. That's probably why they have 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So it's a free Upside app. Use promo code CHAD to get $5 or more cash back. Uh, $10 or more on your first purchase, you're going to get it. Uh, that's $5 or more uh, cash back. Your first purchase, $10 or more. Use promo code CHAD. Download Upside today. We'll be right back. Thank you.
All right, welcome back. Get Sydney out of the room. We're going to talk about man stuff. That's right, man stuff. I want to welcome to the program our actual guest, Kyle Thompson. He is the host of the Undaunted podcast, and uh, he likes to talk about men, real men, not like crap we were talking about in the first segment with Sydney. Welcome to the program, brother. Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. How did you get into this podcasting game? Where'd you come from? What was your motivation? Why do you do it? So it's kind of laziness because I don't like writing very much. And so <laughs> I'd much rather put like five bullet points on a piece of paper and then just flow for 45 minutes. But <clears throat> really where it goes to is around the time I was learning to become a man was around the time I became a Christian. And in my teenage years, in my early 20s, I noticed that there were a lot of like manly men that didn't do stuff inside the church. Mm-hmm. And all the godly men were inside the church, right? <clears throat> and so I always felt like that was a little bit of an issue, like that the manly men were somewhere else somehow. And there was always this dichotomy in my brain. And I got involved with some men's ministries, but the men's ministries felt like women's ministries that were repackaged mm-hmm. for men. And I was like, that's just kind of weird. I felt like some of the manlier dudes, some of the rougher dudes are going to miss out on who Jesus is because they walk into a church and they see some of his followers and they're like, I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want to be frumpy and, you know, hey, I'll pray for you, brother. Like, they don't want to be that type of guy. And so it really just started with uh, a devotional that I wrote for the YouVersion Bible app. The app's been downloaded like 200 million times or something. But my church in Oklahoma City at the time was the church that came up with that app. And I was going through the men's devotionals and they were just they're kind of feminine and just they they didn't really speak to me and so one of the guys on staff was like go ahead write one tough guy see if they accept it and so i wrote it they accepted it put it on the app it did incredibly well and then it was okay are you gonna write another one like they were asking me to do some more stuff and i was like no but you know this podcast thing's kind of cool so back in 2017 we started the podcast and didn't really know what it would do and it's grown exponentially since then it's just gone really really well but i mean we're here to equip men to push back darkness that's kind of how we've evolved over time you know it was just me screaming in my closet at home for a while there and then it kind of evolved into that it's good i uh it's a good show it's a good podcast i encourage everybody to be listening to undaunted and uh, i want to talk about some of these issues let's, let's talk about the church for a second uh i've got a lot of experience in the church and church leadership and in my experiences over the years what i noticed is in kind of to echo your sentiment was it's kind of the feminization of the church right mm-hmm. and so it was a very expressive touchy-feely emotional expression of worship when people would go into the church a lot of these guys as you said the guy that you know he's worked in the field six days yeah. of the week you know done all these different things or or been under a truck whatever he's been doing you know he's he's not he's not that emotionally expressive right but we we kind of got into this place where men kind of evacuated the church at one point in time in the middle of the 20th century. And so then it, the old adage, well, religion, that's the woman's business, right? right? I'm going to bring home you know, the paycheck. That's, we'll let mom teach the religion in the Sunday school. And men kind of vacated. They got away from all of this kind of stuff. What you're seeing or what you're trying to create is a trend back in the other direction and create a message with real men. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a vacuum. Yeah. Right. And when a vacuum is created, women are going to fill the gap. And so, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, 75 percent of the, you know, the people that go to church are women and their kids. And, oh, you know, the men don't want to be involved and don't want to do all those different things. It's an unforced error that the church had, Chad. And really, you know, the war, uh, the World War Two had a big, you know, yeah. you know, big opportunity to kind of deal with that, because the only men that were left in a lot of these communities were the old, the sickly, the weak, that type of folks. Go back to the Industrial Revolution. Those men were, you know, underground, you know, <clears throat> they were they were doing these these hard jobs and they were in factories all the time and they weren't necessarily serving in church. And so what we saw and this is, you know, painting with a broad brush here. 
we saw the sermon content become a lot more effeminate. We saw the decorations in the churches become a lot more effeminate. The songs became a lot more effeminate. And I address all that. Episode four of our podcast, that was like the line in the sand podcast because we called it Pussies in the Pews. And it's like, do not pass go if this is going to like offend your sensibilities too much because there are some people that go way too aggro with it. Like, you're not a Christian unless you have four-wheel drive truck and eat beef jerky and do all that kind of stuff. It's like, that's not, that's not what we're doing. No, those things make you a man. They make you awesome. They don't make you a man. But it's just... The, the church has become so overly focused on the lamb part of who Jesus was, right? The lamb of God, not the lion of Judah, because the lion of Judah is scary. Right. The lion of Judah is very masculine. Like the lion of Judah will do premeditative violence on people inside the temple, right? And, and drive them out with a whip. And that just doesn't jive with the church growth model of let's get as many people to come in here as possible. And don't pay attention to all the stuff happening behind the curtain, but make sure you donate your 10% so that we can continue to plant more campuses and continue to blow up and that kind of thing. But we've done our men no favors. And then as a man, if you're a manly man, you look up on stage and you see this effeminate pastor or this effeminate, you know, men's, you know, worship leader or something like that. It's just not going to make you like jacked up. Like, you know, the guys in war, they wanted to go fight for the general because he was like the manliest, baddest dude they knew. And we don't see that in the church. And I don't find that appropriate. Yeah. You, you, made reference to you know the tribe of judah right you know jesus was referred to as you know, prophesied the lion of the tribe of judah of course judah was one of the 12 tribes of israel judah the literal meaning of Judah was praise, right? So we think of praise as being, we go in there, we sing songs and we do our, you know, but, but it was, it was a, you know, it was a warfare chant, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it was asking God to go before you into battle and prepare that way and and decimate your enemies. And, And that's the thing that I find that Modern Americans specifically, and people who don't understand the Bible, and they, they, they come to it with their preconceived notions, like, oh, you know, what kind of God would do all of these barbaric things? Well, basically, the only God you got, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, you, if you just look at that one snippet through a very small microscopic lens, you're like, ooh, this, this is, you know, this, this is a barbaric religion in the Old Testament, and then all of a sudden we're supposed to be sweet and nice mm-hmm. in, the, in the New Testament. But no, it's 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 a warring god it's it's a you know it's a god that that had some pretty wild men that served him and served his purposes throughout biblical history and and then all of a sudden we're supposed to be these sweet nice little commercialized you know coffee in the lobby at the church making sure the flowers are correct on the altar and men aren't drawn to that Mm -hmm. culture right they're just they're just not by and large right and so i see it happening culturally how we've we've feminized the masculine we call masculinity toxic culturally but we've done a lot of that in the church as well and so by and large we lost for the last hundred years almost we've lost a generation of men in the american church uh what message do you think resonates the most with guys today when it comes to a faith-based message because again i say a lot of things that are faith-based but people are like well that you can't say that that's offensive and right. i'm like well screw you this is this is the truth yeah you know and you're not backing off of that no i mean the thing is is you shouldn't have to check your testicles out the door when you walk into church and the thing about it is if the church is constantly telling you like without telling you maybe it's nonverbal, this is not for you this yeah. music is not for you. This message, we didn't have you in mind when we thought of that. That becomes a major issue because if men feel like they're not needed somewhere, they're going to go somewhere else where they feel needed, right? Mm-hmm. Like that happens. You could look at that within your personal like relationships, but you could also look at that at your job. If you don't feel worthy or, or you know, like you're doing well at your job, you're going to go find something else to do. That's kind of a natural thing that men do. So that's why the men don't volunteer. <clears throat> that's why they're not super involved in what's going on in the, the daily workings of the church in a lot of these places. And so 
there's a lot of messages I give to guys, but I try to make it as practical and as simple as possible. One of the things is to talk to your pastors and talk to your worship leaders and say, hey, what are you doing to make this church man-friendly? Because I don't care about men's ministry, right? Because men's ministry is typically once a year, we're going to do, you know, a chili cook-off and we'll bring in a guy that used to play football and, you know, he's going to talk about how he used to chase women, but God saved him from that. And, and all that stuff's fine. That's not men's ministry. That's men's programming. That's not even close to men's discipleship, right? But if you can focus on making your church man-friendly, the men will stay and the men will lead and they will catechize their families and they will lead the people that are in their families. But you have to let the pastors know that if you go this route, we got your back. So I I talk about abortion a lot on our show. I talk about a lot, how a lot of pastors don't talk about abortion. If they do, they mention it. They'll just mention it and then they hop right back off because they don't want anybody to feel like condemned or whatever. And I tell guys, you need to go into your pastor's office and say, pastor, I want you to talk about abortion more. I want you to be more full-throated in how you talk about abortion. And guess what? When the slings and arrows come your way, I got your back. Yeah. And guess what? There's another dozen guys in the lobby. They're all going to come in here and tell you the exact same thing that I just did. We got your back. If you want to talk about LGBTQ stuff, we got your back. If you want to talk about BLM, we got your back. And that is going to invigorate your pastor, right? Because some of these pastors have never been told to do that because it's kind of like what you said. They've been kind of effeminized and been more internalized and maybe let's keep this more artistic and maybe, you know, let's just kind of hide over here and not really talk about things. But that's just practical things that guys can do to kind of fire in and really let people know, hey, this is what we're here for and we're not going to stand for all this other stuff. Yeah, I've said for years that we, we... We gut shoot our preachers, and then we shoot them for not having any guts. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. They're, it's, so they come up with some mealy mouth, self motivating message, you know, that yeah. you know make you feel good about yourself. And they might throw a little, you know, salvation call into the end of this thing. Sprinkle and, it, in. and you know, one of the things, and I talk about it in that book right there. Am I crazy? Is the two places that should have the freest speech, most convincing, convicting speech, should be the comedy stage and the church pulpit, right? And we've we we've watered down both mm-hmm. in a lot of things because people are so easily offended and you have guys that got to make sure that the lights stay on in the building yeah. and they've built these big ministries you know and they, they i can remember and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to the break here because i got to get this off my chest because it's good therapy therapy for me i can remember back when i was pastoring churches it was it was hard to find musicians who would come in and like lead music and do things like that. Right. these days you have these people it's like oh no they're gonna go in there and put on a show mm-hmm. right and i'm not saying that's wrong or it's right or whatever but it's funny how the culture of american church has changed over the years and everything's got it's almost like you got to put on the show you can't offend anybody mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing so i appreciate the message that you're putting out there we're going to talk about some more issues we're going to get into it so me and kyle we've been talking for a long time about him coming on so i'm glad that he's here today it's going to be good stuff. Chamonix, summer is right around the corner. It's here, basically. It's 105 degrees already in Texas. Genucel celebrating early with their summer clearance sale. Now you can save 60% on Genucel's most popular package at Genucel.com. You talk about being a man, you better take care of your skin. Uh, you need some of that soft skin. I got to get it. Got to get some of that soft skin. Reduce the pesky dark sunspots for free. Here's a Genucel success story from Cynthia in Arlington, Virginia. She said, after using Genucel products, my husband said, wow. That's what we all want to say about our women. You look younger, whatever you're doing, it's working. He didn't know she started using Genucel. Uh, you need to you need to get out there ladies that are watching the show listen to the show as well as you men you can sign up virginia sells best in class rewards program at checkout for an extra 10 percent off your order and complimentary gift set go to genucel.com slash watch chad for 60 percent off that's g-e-n-u-c-e-l.com slash watch chad and right now every most popular package includes genucel's immediate effects for results in as little as 12 hours go to genucel.com 
slash watchchad, geniuscell.com slash watchchad, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back to the program, folks. It is that time in the show where I like to wax eloquent. Ladies and gentlemen, you know that times are hard when you can get a lot more gas per dollar out of a quick trip burrito than you can out of the pump. Folks, brace yourselves because gasoline has officially hit over $4 a gallon in every state. Yes, across the land, gas pumps everywhere are being festooned with the decals of the 46th president pointing up and saying, I did that, and indeed he did. The final states to join the party were Oklahoma, Kansas, and Georgia. And yes, Texas would have been counted in that number, except somebody didn't elect me. That's right. Uh, Think it through the next time, Texas. Think it through. You know, places like California are seeing prices in the... They're in the $6 range, but we here in the hinterland sort of expect that to be the case all the time, up until the point that old sloppy Joe here congealed into the seat of the Oval Office. You would never even think of going through a Midwestern state and seeing gas for four bucks a gallon. It's absolutely insane. And what makes it even worse is that it 100% did not have to be this way. When we're still in the middle of recovering from the last disaster that the Biden administration made worse, this numbnuts is having his Department of the Interior cancel a million acre lease of Alaskan drilling land and two leases in the Gulf of Mexico. I know that I sit here and beat my war drum over and over to the exact same tune, but for the few of you in the back who haven't woken up to the fact yet, hear this. We were energy independent when Donald Trump was president. If you didn't understand what that means before, you sure to God do now. Every time you go to the gas station and have to leave one of your kids behind as an indentured servant, just so you can make it to the Costco and back without running out of gas, folks, there's a problem. We're dealing with lunatic policies, so absolutely crazy that they, that they just can't be anything short of intentional, folks. They're crashing the plane. Now, I know I like to pick on old Glenn Beck, our buddy on this show, but the dude's right. These buttholes are up to no good. And don't think I'm engaging in hyperbole when I say that everyone complicit in this administration, going all the way up to the big guy himself, should have their asses unceremoniously tossed in jail over this kind of thing. We're the United States, for God's sake. What in the world are we doing paying four bucks a gallon at the gas pump? I'm pretty fired up about it, quite actually. And every time I fill up my truck, even more so... And it feels good, along with you, to have some righteous indignation over an injustice like this. Kyle, last night, I'm driving my truck around. I'm in Dallas. I didn't want to be in Dallas. I had to be in Dallas. And you get in some of these big cities, and you're like, okay, my truck says 37 miles to empty, right? And I'm like pushing that diesel as far as it'll go. And I know, I know, you know, you shouldn't drive a diesel truck to empty. I get that. But it's like, as far as you can go. And I pull into three gas stations, and I pull by, and there's, there's no diesel. There's no diesel. I mean, they got a little yellow thing around, a little ribbon tied around the pump, or it's just closed off altogether. Are you seeing this in Oklahoma at all? Yeah, absolutely. I got a bunch of friends that work out in the oil field, and they work in construction, and they're driving diesel all over the place, and then just seeing the price of diesel shoot up the way it has. But yeah, it's kind of... I've, kind of going off what you said like this all seems like it's part of a plan and i'm like the yeah. farthest thing from a conspiracy theorist but in the last two years have showed us anything it's just a conspiracy theory until it actually comes out to be yeah. true but yeah we're seeing it all over yeah i'm calling conspiracy <clears throat> theories teasers at this point yeah. you know they they're telling you what's really coming uh and you got about two weeks before they come true 
it's crazy what we're seeing. Um, you know, and again, you and I, we don't really talk politics. We, I, I know you, your values, you know, my values and, but you're right. It's kind of like they're just crashing the plane, trying to bring this thing down as much as possible. And if you look at some of the things that were going on last week, that's coming out of the white house where they're giving more and more power to the world economic forum. It just the globalist, it, it just crashing the economy in here. We're going to have to go dig a bunker somewhere, brother. Well, the thing about it is, is it's like, hey, look over here. You yeah. know, look at abortion. Like, look at this uh, mass shooting. Look at all these things. And those are things that are obviously very, very important. To, UFOs. Right yeah. Now. Like, yeah. Hey, hey, they're UAPs now. All right. I don't know if I've been reliably informed <laughs> that you can't say that anymore. But the thing is, is it's about distracting you away from the things that affect you on a day to day basis. Because what the Democrats are finding out is the day to day basis stuff is what people plan on voting on in November, right? Right Now, I am a little bit concerned, a little bit worried because people do vote emotionally. And so, like, if we do see Roe v. Wade overturned, if we do see any of those types of things, like, the summer of love is going to turn into the summer of burning and, and it's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth like we've never seen. And perhaps people will pull the lever in November on something that's a little bit more emotional because immigration is emotional, abortion is emotional. Those are emotional things. But with all these things that we're seeing happen, it just seems like there's some reason why this would be happening. Because... Go back to the pullout from Afghanistan. It's like nobody that even had a modicum of experience in warfare would have said, yeah, that's a great idea. Just kind of pull out and create a vacuum and give up Bagram and give up all those things. But we don't think that way anymore, right? Yeah. And so we're supposed to look at the White House. We're supposed to look at the current administration and be like, yeah, there's probably something there. There's probably something that they're probably working out in the background. It's like, no. And we fill up our trucks and you know we're able to do that and it's no big deal. But what about the mom that's like literally borrowing five bucks so she can put a little bit more gas in her tank so she can get to her second job. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. You know, and again, I, I, I think about these folks that are out there who are just, they can't go anywhere. They, they, I mean, you got the baby formula shortage that's yeah. going on, but now you've got gas. People can't, they can't afford to put it. I mean, when it's a hundred bucks mm -hmm. to fill up a car, this is nonsense. And it's absolutely unreasonable. We should not be, having to deal with this this is america for crying out loud uh we've got the resources yep. i mean we've done all this stuff so you've got to look at it and you got to go okay nothing more this is nothing more than an agenda period whether it's a, a you know again it's a green new deal initiative or they're driving everybody over to you know electric cars or windmill and solar mm -hmm. these kind of things and and that's great i mean fantastic if we can come up with alternative energy solutions but we're just not there yet to be that right. level of dependent on any of it well it's because they don't want us to be dependent on that they want us to be dependent on them, on them. and so i mean Good look point. at look at the the shortage that we have with baby formula who did everyone automatically get mad at mm -hmm. and look to for the solution the government not to business mm -hmm. now the reason why we can't look to business and can't look into the open market for a lot of reasons is because the government won't allow for it. The FDA has known this for months that yeah. we were going to be running into this. And now we have mothers that are literally losing their minds and their babies are going hungry because this idea that you can just, oh, just make baby formula at home or do something like that. Well, for my wife and I, for our first child, like, you know, he had some sort of an allergy. And so we had to have this very specific type of formula to supplement her breast milk. And it was like, we, we couldn't have made that at home. Like, there's no yeah. way, like, we, we could have been professional chemists and not been able to make that formula at yeah. home. And so the thing about it is, is every time something goes wrong, big or small, we turn to the government, which is exactly what one side of the aisle definitely wants. Mm -hmm. they, they want you to be completely dependent on them so that they can be the hero. And once you're relying on them, they can push a little bit further. Like we've seen with, with COVID and all the lockdowns and regulations, they're just pushing. So I'm not as concerned about these lockdowns. I'm concerned about the next ones. If we have mm -hmm. a bad flu outbreak in Oklahoma, are we going to shut the, the schools 
schools down because all of a sudden it'll be okay to say, oh, hey, the flu is probably more dangerous for these kids than COVID is. Yeah. But they push. They just kept pushing a little bit and a little bit. I was listening to uh, Glenn Beck this morning and on my ride into the studio, and I was thinking that exact same thing. I was kind of listening in one ear and just kind of humming some thoughts in my brain. And I was like, they've already kind of prepped us for what yeah. we, we've already shown our hand on what, how mm-hmm. we'll respond. Yep. We'll do it. Whatever you tell things. us to do, we'll do it. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's the religion of safetyism. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do, we'll take, we'll wear the mask. We'll socially distance, whatever talisman you want us to worship. Right. Uh, you know, you set it up, we'll bow down to it, it all in the name of safety. So Again. Even the churches. We were talking about the churches right. earlier. Like, because the government may have been a little bit scared of, I wonder if the churches push back on yeah. some of these lockdowns and things like that. And yet very, very few pastors that had the stones to be like, no, we're going to be open on Sunday. Mm. We're going to be safe and we're going to take care of our flock. But you're going to sit here and quote Micah 6 to me, but you don't even understand <laughs> the, 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 you know, the whole context of Micah 6. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to take you seriously when you tell me I have to shut down the, the meeting of the saints. I'm not doing it. Yeah. We had... Um, um, a good friend of mine who's a pastor over in in Parker County, west of Fort Worth. Uh, when they did that whole mandate deal, he just took the doors off the front church of the front of the church yeah. and threw them out in the parking lot. Basically, said we're not shutting the doors. Yeah, he set them on fire. <laughs> there you go. I mean, but like that—that's a great message to yeah. your flock. That because again, those pastors and those elders, they're going to have to give an account to God someday for right. how they shepherded the flock. Yeah, and if. They shepherded the flock in the way that the local magistrates felt was appropriate. I don't know that's going to be a great meeting for them. No. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Kyle Thompson, the host of Undaunted, Undaunted, Undaunted. I should do one called Undated. Um, I'm outdated. There you go. Yeah, antiquated. There you go. Do you TikTok? So I can uh, sadly admit that I do TikTok, but I do it so that I can have something to post on Instagram. So I usually find something that I find hilarious (laughs) and then I post it on Instagram. I got you. I mean, if you use it as a tool, I understand that. You know, that, I mean, again, I understand all of it, but I mean, I have one. I have to put some content on there. That's the thing. But people are always like, you need to just delete Facebook and all. This is what I do for a living. It's easy for you to say you got a job to go to on Monday. It's like when we talk about promoting things, like promoting a podcast and, and stuff like that. People are like, oh, all you do is promote things anymore. Will you go to work on Monday? Right. 
You Wouldn't know? that be funny if people like, if you walked into their place of business, they're selling insurance or, or cars or, you know, doing like data entry or something saying, hey, I think you should work all day today, but you're definitely not going to get paid. Yeah. Like when people get like bent out of shape about ads, it's like, I get it. I'm interrupting your life, your life just a little bit, yeah. but you've got a fast forward button and like, this is how we pay the bills. Like yeah. it's all, it's, we're all good. We're all in this and, together. And, and even better is whenever you raise money for somebody, like there's an issue going on. Yeah. You're like, hey, let's help me contribute. Or if you buy t-shirts today, all the proceeds are going to go to help this cause well, why don't you just give them the money? Well, why don't you just give them all the money? Right. Like, I, I can raise more by doing it this way. Yep. People people are clueless, though. They're very altruistic in giving when it comes to your time. Your money, money, yeah, of course. When your energy, time, money, effort, creativity, all of that's being done. But anyway, I say that because we do a segment on here, uh, usually in one of the final blocks, where Chris surprises me with a TikTok, and I, I can almost predict at this point the things that it's going to be about. So, Chris, let her rip. Oh. I've been a teacher for six weeks now, and <laughs> the administration has really created a hostile work environment for me. Um, I have a pride flag up in my classroom. I've had it up since probably the second week I was teaching, and they've never said anything about it. However, I was just told yesterday by my principal that I'm not allowed to say anything positive about the LGBTQ community. I'm not allowed to say it's okay to be gay. I'm not allowed to encourage it as if it's a choice because that will upset parents. I said, well, I'm not here to appease homophobic parents, to which she said, I would like to keep my job. Um, if your job requires being complicit in homophobia, then why would you want that job? First oh my God. What do you think? Okay, so the funny thing about that is I don't recall hearing her mention what subject she teaches, right? Because that's her job, actually, right. right? So her job is not to advocate for any particular political position or any of those types of things. So I've got to think, so all the teachers that are listening to the show right now, I'm okay with you talking about whatever you want to talk about when every single kid at your school is up to grade level competency on all subjects. <laughs> at that point, talk about whatever. You can talk about whatever you want, whatever religion, whatever special philosophy you want to talk about. I'm good with it. But you want to bring this in and she's she's been working there a whole six weeks and it took her that long to feel targeted, right? It's like, okay, you're a victim. No, you walked in with a complex that you wanted everybody to work their way into and congratulations, yeah. it magically happened. I hung a pride flag up and they haven't said anything about it. No, it's because they were trying to figure out how they wanted to approach you, right. quite honestly. They didn't want to get sued. They, they probably have talked to their lawyers and tried to figure out what's the best way to deal with this. They wanted to tell you on day one. And again... I, you, the principal problem. If I went in there and put, do you have our flag? Do you have my pride flag? Handy, you don't have it. So I've got a pride flag with a peach and some boobs on it. And it's like if I put my pride flag up because I like tits and ass. If I put that up in a classroom, they'd probably come in and say you can't talk about T and A with the kids, mm -hmm. right? Same deal. Hers just happened to be a pride flag. You can't come in there and talk about your, your sexual lifestyle, your sexual preference. And you're right because they're never going to be up to that that competency level that, that's that's what teaching is all about that's why right. you have testing requirements and you know every kid in that class is ace in every test then let's talk about the extracurricular stuff because that's never going to happen right i mean right? they they literally think these kids are theirs and so they, they have carte blanche to talk to them about whatever they want. Because I remember I got into it. There was a, uh, a CEO of a bank in my local community, and she was talking about how she was so glad that her you know, high school student came home and they had this big, long discussion about race. This was during the George Floyd riots of 2020 and all that. And I was like, what was, what was the class? 
Like it was like, uh, it was English or history or something like that. I was like, why, why weren't they talking about like how, how to, you know, put the right verb tense into a sentence or to write an effective paragraph or to get an idea across. This is English class. It's like, why did they, why did they spend the entire hour talking about something else? Oh, this is really important. We should do that. Yeah. At home, perhaps in Sunday school, perhaps at your church, that's not your job. Like, Hey, we love you. Right. We love you. You being sacrificed, sacrificial and taking this job and getting paid less to do this hard work. Like I get it, but it's like, that is not your job. Do your job. Like, and, yeah. and we will love you and we will call you heroic. And we will talk about you as if you're this homogenous group of heroes because you're a teacher. But at the same time, you've got to be able to do your job. And if you don't do it well, you shouldn't do other stuff. There it is. There's my pride flag. See, you can't. I looked at that thing on my phone when you sent it to me, Chris. I could finally see the cleavage. I could finally see the cleavage on the deal because I was like, I can't tell what that is. It's like Marge Simpson's boobs. Hang tight. We're not done. We will be right back. The name of the podcast is. An Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. That's it. Undaunted Life. Look it up, Kyle Thompson. Make sure you are subscribed to his show. Tune in. In fact, I want you to come back tomorrow, hang out with us some more. we got more issues to get into. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Watchchad.com. That's where all the fun stuff is. I've got shows coming up June 3rd, going to be in Belton, Texas. June 4th, going to be in Bernie, Texas. June 5th, Billy Bob's Texas, right there in Fort Worth. So get your tickets at watchchad.com. Going to be in your neck of the woods, Shawnee, Oklahoma, at the Ritz Theater on June 17th. So come hang out with us. We'll bring some special guests with us along the way. Might even twist Kyle's arms if we can get him out there in Shawnee. Come on. We'll have a good time. Don't forget to subscribe. BlazeTV.com slash Chad. Use promo code Chad, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Love you. God bless you. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.